Hey, welcome back to another Ruby Dev Summit interview. I am here with Sebastian from Hanami Mastery. Sebastian, I'm going to ask you a question. What is the future of Ruby? Well, uh, the future of Ruby is to come yet, right? <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, this is easy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've had a few people just say, I don't know, this is what's going on right now. So, yeah, so uh, there is a lot of going on in Ruby uh, in general. Um, still, like mostly, like everything is mostly oriented around the RISE development and the RISE framework. Mm -hmm. And um, I, yeah, depending on what else would you like to ask, I don't see that Ruby will go anywhere uh, right. to hide in some shiny, uh, dark place, forgotten. Mm -hmm. um, but I also don't expect uh, that Ruby will be ever a major uh, technology to, uh, to drive the development of of internet so right um, the, despite despite a lot of um progress in um ruby giants like github Spotify, shopify um and so on mm -hmm. um with the recent ruby like rice foundation uh, being being created um yeah there is a lot of good things going on the market but um, definitely, um, it is not like a mind technology of choice uh, for for the world, and I don't think right. it'll be in the future. That that's interesting. I mean, I remember when I got in, it kind of was the darling of the startup community. Um, everybody seemed to be building their stuff on it. So yeah, it's and I've I've heard debates both ways about whether or not it's gonna come back to that level or just you know see a general rise in popularity but maybe not be the thing that everybody reaches for so yeah that's definitely interesting do you think do you foresee any other technologies in particular uh overtaking rails or ruby um not necessarily like rice is good for prototyping and mm -hmm. i think uh, ruby will be um still a good thing to prototype new startups and new uh, new projects and deliver delivering quickly to the clients but when rise came to the market it was absolute brilliant um it was a brilliancy introduced to uh, to the whole web development mm -hmm. by providing all those uh, quick generators all those uh, right. improvements for development and the developer's satisfaction. And it was quite a while ago since then, uh, a whole lot of frameworks have been developed and um, there is not such an advantage anymore because right. each of the tech stack that I can think of has at least one like framework that could mm -hmm could be similar in terms of delivering MVPs to, to the clients in terms of speed. So no matter if you will think about Phoenix in Elixir or if you, if mm -hmm. you will think even in PHP, PHP and Laravel, all those frameworks have um, some kind of improvements that 
allow developers to relatively quickly de develop the, mm -hmm. the applications. Yeah. Yeah, I see a lot of good stuff coming out of the Laravel community in particular. So that's that's definitely uh, an interesting place to look. And I've actually drawn some inspiration from them for a few of my projects. So anyway, yeah. The, the, the thing for me is to think about trends, like like a, a bigger trends um, mm -hmm. that are developed right now. And uh, for example, if you, if you will think about all this uh, AI um, um, progress and recent hype and discovery, um, mm -hmm. this is something that I think will be more and more popular. And I have a theory um, or stand that over time, more tools will be developed over um, around the AI features or mm -hmm. AI engines and Ruby is not great in whole lot whole lot of data processing or like right. neural networks and so on. Um, so we can expect some synchronization, like um, service synchronization, and delegating some um, neural networks, mm -hmm. learning stuff. Um, to, to other technologies, but this will introduce burdens and overheads to the uh, to the companies. So, depending on on which direction it will take, I think one of the good things, important things to know is to look at which technologies do well with AI integration and AI uh, development. Because yeah, so this is one of the Mm. Uh, this is one of the dangers. This yeah. is dangers, an obstacle that Ruby can face in very short future, in my opinion. Yeah, I think in some ways I agree with you, in some ways I don't. Um, it seems like, yeah, nobody's building neural networks with, well, I shouldn't say nobody, but you don't see people building uh, neural networks with Ruby, right? You don't see people building, um, yeah, data processing uh, pipelines with Ruby. But on the other side, you see things like Langchain or OpenAI or some of these where uh, there are Ruby libraries that allow you to hook into those systems. And so, sure, you're not building like the engine or the model in Ruby but you can definitely take advantage of it in Ruby and have all of the advantages you like from the language. And so I think, I think there's a needle to be threaded there. I, I think, you know, that I think there's a path. Um, but yeah, I, I agree to in, in the sense that if we don't, yeah, if we don't go down that path, we don't open those doors, then we're going to be in trouble. Yeah. So Ru Ruby is great and Ruby has a lot of good, um, um, good things that I love being a Ruby developer because of those. Um, mm -hmm. However, my point is that there is no this there is there is no a gap, and there is no like uh, uh, competition like huge competition advantage over what Rise brought to us like uh, I, like twenty years ago or something. 
So uh, this is why I don't expect that in future Ruby will get again like this this amazing mm -hmm. hype that we experienced in 2005 mm -hmm. um, uh, anymore. And there is like different trends uh, that that are hyped around, like people are hyped around. Like a lot of people want to be AI scientists right now. Um, and mm -hmm. a whole lot of people want to um, develop on blockchain and the whole Web 3.0 stuff. And this is like, there are different hypes now. Uh, and the rise, however, is safe and stable. And the Ruby, because of that, is also like stable in, especially in web development, but not only. I think this is more like a maturity period for for Ruby and not like this this startup phase where everyone mm -hmm. will be will be hyped around. Yeah, I think I think there's some truth to that to be sure. Um I don't know. I mean like you said the the future's not yet written so you know who's to say that there isn't some killer feature that Rails innovates next or that Ruby innovates next. But yeah, it's 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 probably not going to be the technology in the building web application space that's going to get people's attention. It's going to be in one of these other areas for sure. Um I kind of want to change tactics a little bit and talk about something else for uh -huh. a second. So, um, you know, you run Hanami Mastery. You're pretty involved in that community. So where's all of that going? Because I haven't been able to talk to anybody else for this summit that's deep in the in the air arena of, of the Hanami framework. Uh, well, I started working on uh, educational resources around Hanami. Mm -hmm. And one of the... Uh, main reasons for that was because I saw that uh, Rise has um, like monopoly in the Ruby ecosystem, and because mm -hmm. of that, it can not necessarily need uh, like uh, will, but it can uh, can generate problems. Rise is very optimized for web development, and it is uh, it follows certain architectural decisions and. Um, not everyone likes this approach. Right. So Hanami brings a whole different approach to producing and creating uh, Ruby applications in, uh, yeah, in Ruby. Uh, uh, applications in Ruby. And this is uh, amazing because they do, while they support by default and like, uh, from the start, uh, web development and web applications. Mm -hmm. uh, the whole Hanami framework is marketed around application framework, like Hanami's application framework, which means uh, one of their goals is to make Ruby more accessible to create any sort of applications, not only okay. web applications. So this is one of the, the things that I really want to support and that I want to uh, be a part of. Because if Ruby will specialize only around being like, uh, in the web ecosystem, this is a potential like um, I don't have a word like a danger, like but 
uh, an obstacle that that we could not mm -hmm. cross in the future. Um, so uh, one of the ideas is that I, I would love if Ruby would be more popular in other development branches, and Hanami okay. can definitely help with this. But your okay. question was, but your question was, uh, what is about Hanami development, right? Yeah. So I guess my question is. Um, yeah, so what's the future of Hanami? And you're kind of walking down that road right here. So, yeah, okay. So uh, I just didn't want to step step aside and and no, it's all good. It's your interview. You can go where you want. Uh, so Hanami actually already is um, at the moment. Hanami is ready to support production applications. Okay. Recently, they uh, they uh, re uh, released the uh, risk candidate to uh, support uh, view layer and mm -hmm. and asset compilation. Oh, and cool. the next final missing feature is um, the persistence integration. Mm -hmm. But this will be an integrating Hanami with ROM, okay. uh, ROM 6 to be concrete. Um, this is not yet done, but it will be a tiny wrapper to just make easier to configure and and um, just integrate both libraries. So I don't expect it will take too much of work. And if my applications and also in the applications of the company that I work for, um, we just use ROM directly, right? And Hanami is a long-running framework, even in the. Uh, 1.3 uh, version, it was still uh, stable enough to build uh, multi-million businesses around it. So I think uh, it will be very stable and it can bring a lot of diversity uh, to Ruby, a lot of innovation and creativity um, this year. So I definitely looking forward to it and uh, yeah. Very cool. So you said that you something about it branching into other areas or other kinds of applications outside of the web. So what are you thinking there? And that is yet to be that is yet to be discovered. Okay. Um, in Ruby you can write uh, games. Uh, sorry. In Ruby you can write uh, games. You can mm -hmm. write um, uh, Raspberry Pi projects. Uh, right. to, to configure microcontrollers. You can write um, gems, libraries, right? And RISE is a little bit too big for those purposes. Um, okay. You cannot disable features you don't need. You, don't, um, you have not much control over the configurations that um, allow you to write very um efficient very small applications for example or applications that completely do not need persistence do not need um the view layer um and things like that so um hanami allows you to do whatever you want hanami allows you to disable or enable any of the components uh, that they use uh, you can just remove completely router view layer. Uh, you can just don't install any of uh, persistence, anything like that. Mm -hmm. So depending of your needs and what 
kind of application you want to produce, you can uh, just write it in Hanami. But people in the Ruby ecosystem very much you got used to just write web development. So it's very hard to me to predict how many people will actually take advantage of it and will use Hanami to produce um, injectable rack applications uh, in the forms of gems or mm -hmm. any kind of gem that it does not really need um, need server at all. Yeah, I mean, there are some f features or functions of, of Ruby that you can leave off, right? You can tell it that you want an API application and it'll get rid of the view layer and then you just, you know, serve JSON or whatever. But yeah, there are a lot of pieces that you really can't, like if you don't use them, you're just not using them. It it, it has them anyway. So yeah, there, there there's definitely some aspect of that. But yeah, that's interesting. It, it'd be interesting to see where Hanami could take it with things like that if you decide, yeah, I just need this pared down thing that just does a small piece of what I would need for the web that isn't web. Yeah. I, I'm definitely interested in exploring trying Hanami as a, a web, um, as a game development. Mm -hmm. um, I used Dragon Ruby to yep. play with games a little bit uh, last year but unfortunately for lack of time I, I just could not progress too much with that right uh, but definitely I'm interested in exploring those areas in the future um, so that will bring me a lot of fun definitely yeah and I talked to Amir Rajan uh, for this summit and we talked a whole bunch about Dragon Ruby and game development so yeah th there's definitely some space there to go explore and um uh, for the ruby bits video series i'm doing i'm building a game with dragon ruby so it'll be exciting to see how that goes so uh, unfor unfortunately uh, recently i thought about um what it would take to uh to expand ruby to get popularity in mm -hmm. other branches and i don't think this is super easy because uh, Rice is extremely um, known, like like for right. a lot of people. If you talk about Ruby, immediately they see and hear Rice. Yeah, and uh, Rice as a framework is very well founded, and uh, there is a, a lot, a whole of support related to the Rice development. But the other branches of of Ruby are just not um, not on the spot of the investors. And things like uh, Dragon Ruby, for example, uh, mm -hmm. can just be a niche forever. Uh, and that is uh, not maybe not the brightest future, but I think that we need to, as a community, um, think more about using Ruby in not only web development to actually keep Ruby popular and thriving. Yeah, um, I think I, I think there's definitely some interesting things going on there. Um, obviously, the Ruby on Rails Foundation is doing a lot to promote Rails, and that helps it some. But yeah, um, if we could see something that looks a lot like Rails for AI or Rails for blockchain or right, so we have the same kind of 
uh, tooling innovation, you know, innovative approach, you know, saves people a whole bunch of time, effort, and money to build out whatever they want using a Ruby tool, then that that starts to get interesting. But I don't know. I don't, I don't know how you get to that point, and then you still have to get people to try it. So, and what what is your opinion about um, the uh, JavaScript as a competition, right? Because oh, um, you're interviewing me now. Okay. No, no, like ah, maybe. <laughs> no, it's all good. It's totally good. Giving you a bad time. Uh, the the so, thing is, why, why I'm asking is that because uh, I experience uh, that like. Almost everything now is written in JavaScript, like more or less, like any kind of frameworks. Um, and this uh, this is something like um, it's everywhere. And yeah. Ruby in this in this comparison or field it seems like a grain of sand or something. Uh, so maybe yeah, what do you think about this? So the the thing that's interesting, first of all, you know, we're talking about you know where ruby ends up in the grand scheme of things and i don't know i i think some people think that you know if it's not winning the internet then it's not winning right so if it's not beating out python and javascript and .net and, uh and java that you know ruby's not winning but i don't know as a percentage of the market that ruby was really ever like number one top dog right now, there were a lot of people that liked it, a lot of people that were looking at it, a lot of people that were moving to it, uh, you know, back in the early, mid-2000s. But, uh, yeah, Node.js came out, and I kind of ignored it for a while, honestly, because it wasn't stable, and it had a whole bunch of other issues. Um, these days, I don't know. I have I have kind of a different feel on things, and, you know, a lot of this is from conversations I have in the JavaScript community, either from going to conferences or um, or talking to people for the podcast, right? And I mean, JavaScript's definitely not going anywhere and it is fairly popular, but one, there are a couple of things that are driving it. One is that for a long time, there were a lot of things going on in, say, React that, that gave people certain tools on the front end. Um, but the problem was was that there was never really a super cohesive answer like rails right so there was a lot of stuff built around react and people would pull it in and they'd they'd build their applications and with the addition of ruby or react server components and things like that um we're seeing people come back to the back end some right because uh i mean there's some interplay between server components and web com or front-end components. I don't want to call them web components because that's another thing. Um, but yeah, so we're, we're seeing some people start to look at React and go, this is getting kind of complicated and there's a lot going on here. And so then they're looking for either a simpler solution like an Astro or uh, Svelte or something like that. Or they're, they're coming back to the back end and saying, okay, what can the back end do for me now? And, you know, how much of this front end stuff can it take off my plate and still do the job? And so I think there's I think there's always some shift going on. Um, so at the end of the day, I don't know that people really look at JavaScript because on the back end, I mean, you have Express, you've got sales, you've, uh, there are a whole bunch of them. Uh, Koa, 
There, it's, yeah, anyway, there are a whole bunch of different uh, backend frameworks for JavaScript, but not the only one that's gotten any traction is Express, and it's it's a pain. And so as people start to come back to the backend, they start coming back to systems like Ruby or PHP for Laravel or WordPress or things like that. And so I, I think we are seeing kind of an upsurge back toward things like Ruby and Rails, but I don't like I don't expect expect Rails to just overtake JavaScript on the back end anytime soon. But mm-hmm. at the same time, um, yeah, people are finding that their needs are different from what they wanted, and so they're finding Ruby as a, as a pleasant alternative. And so, yeah, we'll see. We'll see how many people come to Ruby or Go or PHP or Python or something else. But I, I think Ruby has a strong case there, and so then it's just a matter of where we end up at at the end of the day. Cool. Uh, I definitely look for more solutions in Ruby that could be mm-hmm. um, that could solve particular problems without the context of Rails. And uh, but but JavaScript is is just um, like like everything seems to be in JavaScript. <laughs> yeah, there, there's a lot of movement toward JavaScript. Um, but it wasn't just people leaving or moving from Ruby to JavaScript. And I've talked to a whole bunch of people that have been coming back. Um, the other technologies have all bled off engineers going toward JavaScript or TypeScript. Mm-hmm. So it, it's, it's an interesting thing to see where we end up, but yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know in the end how it stacks up. I don't see... And I think this is the thing that people really are concerned about is I don't see any other technology coming in and supplanting Ruby for Rubyists. Mm-hmm. And there are plenty of companies that still adopt Ruby on Rails as the way to build their applications. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't think the Ruby community is going anywhere. In fact, I think it's growing right now. Um, but yeah, as a percentage of the market, I don't I don't know that you can really see a massive change if that makes sense yeah so uh, in my opinion if uh, the, the the percentage like of the ma- ma- percentage in popularity if if there will not be a, 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 a revolution within the ruby ecosystem um, and something will not change then we as a community will have less and less percent of the market. Even if you will grow as a community, um, the wider image is, is, is way greater. So there are, mm. uh, as, as we just discussed, like, like, like AI impact and, and, and uh, Web 3.0 is, um, is, is going, right? Uh, more or less. Mm-hmm. So the, the blockchain will enable a whole lot of uh, opportunities for developers. So in general, we will get like smaller percent of the market. So I definitely like. I, mm-hmm. Sorry, I, I don't know if I entirely agree with that. Just from the standpoint of people have been talking about Web 3.0 for years and years and years. So oh. yeah, it, it may eventually land. So but... so so what kind of future we are talking about? Like like. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you know, if it's not Web 3, if we stay on what Web 2 or where whatever we're on. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, to a certain degree, 
yeah, I could see Web3 landing eventually. It just doesn't seem like there are enough of the right pieces in place to make a block tr- blockchain-driven uh, web experience really come about the way that they talk about it. Mm-hmm. Um, at least not anytime soon. So then, then it's okay. So you know, given the current state of things and some of the other innovations that are coming along, like um, you've got. I'm thinking like progressive web apps and things like that, right? You've got all those features with notifications and um, service workers and things like that, right? We have to adjust to those, right? Mm-hmm. If you're going to run it on another platform to do something else, you're right. We have to adjust to that. So, and I don't know if that's mobile development, if we need a strong mobile development story, or if we're looking at, you know, maybe having breakthroughs in AI where it's, Maybe we're maybe we're never building the models, but you know we have such a strong story for tooling for AI that the models are built on systems built in Go or Python, and then right anything on top of that is written in Ruby because it doesn't make sense. I I don't know. I I think there are a lot of different ways it could go. Honestly, I think we're going to see some level of resurgence with Rails, just given the direction that it's headed now. Mm-hmm. Um. But I, I don't know that it really necessarily moves the Ruby adoption needle enough for us to, you know, in the wider programming community to be talking about Ruby or Rails any more than it is. All that said, um, it could. And yeah, I mean, I don't know. So uh, what do you think? I think um oh, about... well, oh the other thing I was going to add yeah um is that the size of of Ruby in the community and Ruby's community is pretty much driven by the number of companies and the size of the companies running Ruby mm-hmm. right if the work dries up the community shrinks and so I think as we see more companies adopting Ruby or adopting Rails or adopting something else I think that's ultimately what will wind up driving our growth Mm-hmm. But uh, still, I see in the community and in the hiring trends that uh, companies demand of senior uh, level or mid-level developers, senior plus even, and there is a relatively small place for junior or um, um, pr- practicants. Yeah, um, I think that's true across the board, though. I don't think that's just in Ruby. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but but this is w- without taking care of the next generation of the developers. We, we you are correct. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's definitely something. Because yeah. um, so uh, so that that is one thing that I think uh, we should definitely think about as a senior mm-hmm. and your plus uh, developers uh, to evangelize the company right. to put more effort to. Um, market Ruby within heads of the younger people, students yep. even, and so on. So that that is one thing. Um, yeah, if, if that will not happen, I, I think that just other technology will take this place uh, and and just take yep. this. Um, so so that is uh, about the recruitment. And um, you mentioned a lot about the. Um, 
um, JavaScript developers uh, turning heads into backend again. Um, mm -hmm. And again, come like merging two sites together. Mm -hmm. um, and this is where I really, I, I will come back to Hanami development because with their solutions, um, Ruby will have actually a complete, uh, complete um, tooling for building um, JavaScript free or or um, or views with minimum JavaScript involved because of the architecture they approached to to views and templates. Okay. So um, I. As a Ruby developer and for years Rise developer, I experienced definitely a need to take care of views in Rise, and um, and that was my that, that sparked my interest in React, uh, Vue.js, mm -hmm. and um, other like solutions right. um, to to write views independently of backend. But now when I'm older, I actually <laughs> uh, enjoy. Uh, writing uh, applications just just take everything uh, in one place, right? Um, even if those are like small specialized microservices, I still would love to have a complete tooling within Ruby to uh, develop the whole feature. Not uh, need to understand multiple technologies and languages to deliver the stuff. And if we will. Um, go with those solutions. I think that is also something that could help us um, getting more traction in in the whole ecosystem. Right. So when you're talking about kind of these JavaScript free front ends, I mean, are you talking about just not having any kind of JavaScript in there, or are you talking about building it with something like Opal or Ruby Wasm? And running, um, running it on your front end, or well, uh, it's it's just a different way of putting your view together so that it's not, hey, I've got the HTML file and the controller file and the model file and right. Well, I, a whole lot of uh, view logic can be um, kept in backend if you have mm -hmm. to for that, and uh, Rise with TurboJS also just uh, shows that. Yeah, uh, yeah. Still using JavaScript, right? So it's not like a complete. Yeah, but you don't have to write it. Yeah, exactly. And okay, um, and this similar stuff is for HTMX, um, mm -hmm. which allows you to just send requests without refreshing, uh, just replace the HTML, and this works pretty fine. Uh, so, um, building solutions around those, I think, is is a whole right. uh, lot of opportunity. Yeah, so, absolutely. Mm -hmm. We had and, uh, Carson yeah. Gross on JavaScript Jabber to talk about HTMX last year. So, if you want to learn more there, you can go check it out. Um, where? Sorry, I I just uh, JavaScript Jabber. Okay, we have a JavaScript podcast. So, cool. Uh, I will definitely check it out. Yeah, good deal. Well, anything else you want to dive in on, or no? I I just cannot think about anything out of my head but if you have some <laughs> directions that would be helpful nope I, I think we're good i mean we've been talking for about 37 minutes and uh yeah i've really enjoyed where this conversation went some of the things that we could 
uh, talk about. It'll be really interesting to see how much of you know what we see coming or what we could do to help things grow will work out. But yeah, if people want to connect with you online, where, where do they find you? Oh, definitely halamimastery.com. Uh, this is my main project. And out of that, you can just see all my my activity or all my um, uh, social media accounts. Uh, okay. <laughs> uh, like this is a go- good hub. But for my uh, personal uh, link, I also have the bio link, biolink.com slash svilgosh. And this is also something I kind of manage. But Hanami Mastery is the only thing I focus right now, uh, really. So best to find me there. Awesome. All right. Well, we'll go ahead and wrap up here. Thanks for coming. This was a ton of fun. Thanks for inviting me. That was awesome. All right, folks. Until next time, Max out.